When the sun rises, I wake up and chase my dreams. I won't regret when the sun sets, cause I live my life like I'm a beast. What up? You're listening to the Lifestyle Practice Podcast. Hey everyone, I hope you're all enjoying your time off. Hopefully you got a decent amount. This episode should come out around Thanksgiving, so happy Thanksgiving. For any of you that are regular listeners and ready to take things to the next level, I've got a big opportunity for you for uh, this week for Black Friday. Go to our Facebook page uh, for more details, just the, the lifestyle practice, and uh, you can check out the details there and see what we're offering. Or you can always send me an email, Derek at thelifestylepractice.com. Uh, on the note of Thanksgiving, I did want to uh, put out a little throwback real quick to an episode I did a while back. Uh, it's episode number 64, and it's all about learning to become an optimist, uh, becoming more positive and thankful. Um, so seeing that it's Thanksgiving, it'd be a good one to go back and, and to listen to and to reflect on. Uh, you know, the thing is, it's easy to be thankful when you don't have to work, when, you know, you're surrounded by friends and family and lots of food and you can do what you want. But in my opinion, the key is learning to be thankful in your everyday life. So go back, give that episode a listen sometime over Thanksgiving and reflect on how you can become more thankful and positive and increase your drive by that uh, throughout the rest of the year. Today, I want to talk about something that I see come up pretty often in the everyday work life in a dental practice. One thing that is really fun about being a coach and working with dentists is that I have now worked with dentists in many different states all across the country, uh, several in Canada, and in doing so, I'm able to see a lot of the common challenges across the board. A lot of times we think that the challenges that we face are specific to our area. I hear I hear that all the time. Well, in my area, this is what it's it's just this is what it's like, you know. I hear something like that. And so a lot of times we we think that and we think that oh, well, dentists over in this state or city, you know, they just wouldn't have to deal with these. Um some of that might be true, but in reality, almost all of the challenges that we face we have in common. So today I want to address one of them. There are a few areas that we generally have a heavy focus on while we're working with clients one-on-one -on -one in coaching. And one of those is focusing on diagnosis, treatment planning, and case acceptance. One of the things that I typically talk a lot about is the communication factor. Uh, Think of these questions. How do we explain our findings to patients? How do we explain our treatment recommendations? How do we help our patients commit to treatment? Really focusing on these few questions can make a huge difference in most practices. You know, they really could be the difference between a $500,000 practice and a million dollar practice in some situations. So, 
Today, I want to discuss one small specific part of this process of the diagnosis, treatment planning, and case acceptance, and that is the part of helping patients make decisions on their treatment. In my opinion, this is one of the biggest things that is missing in most dental practices across the country. Too often, I hear dentists that only give one recommendation or one type of treatment plan. I've heard on several forums dentists saying like, oh, well, if you're doing it this way, you're doing a big disservice to your patients. Or, you know, well, I would never do this on a family member, so I don't do it on my patients. Um, I understand this, but the problem with this line of thinking is that it corners dentists into a one-track way of thinking and options that they're giving to patients. The reality is that the options are basically endless, but there's just different pros and cons to the different options. One thing that I've heard in different lectures or presenters t- is, uh, is them saying and telling dentists that they need to tell the patient, oh, this is urgent. We need to get this done today before it gets worse. Let's get you in the other room and let's get it done right now. Uh, I understand this approach, but it also just feels wrong to me. What are you really communicating when you're saying this to patients? In, in, in my opinion, when I hear that, I, I think you're trying to instill fear in them. You're trying to create urgency so that they commit to treatment without thinking about it too much. Uh, and you may be one of the dentists that, that does this in your office, but here's what's wrong with this approach, in my opinion. First of all, it's very rarely true. There are very few times that I've seen an asymptomatic tooth during an exam that quote unquote needs treatment today. Another week or month will rarely make a difference. Um, but second of all, it's not providing all the options to the patient. If it's, uh, you know, if it's on a second molar, you know, if it's an issue with a second molar on a patient with a limited budget and with other issues going on, you know, is that really in their best interest? I'm going to, I'm going to share this and it may rattle some cages, but we have to accept that one option is always no treatment. I've coached dentists um, through this and, and talking through this with patients. And you know, I hear dentists say, oh, but well, I don't want to tell them that they don't have to get anything done. My patients would never do anything if I told them that they didn't have to do anything. Um, well, that's not exactly what I'm saying, but let's stop right there. We need to give our patients more credit. Our patients aren't stupid. They're actually pretty smart. And a lot of the times uh, they can judge if they're being pressured into doing something that may not be totally necessary. Let me run through a few examples to help uh, clear things up a bit. I always clearly recommend treating decay and active disease. Um, so I generally don't give you know a, an option of just doing nothing. But if I prevent a treatment plan that's just uh, mostly uh, decay and active disease, if I get pushback from a patient when discussing uh, the treatment, I don't get upset and tell them that, oh, well, that you have to get this done. Um, I stay calm and I explain to them, well, one option is always not to do anything. 
And if that's what you want to do, that's totally up to you. This is your mouth. Uh, you know, these are your teeth. My goal is not to push you to get dental work done, but really it's just to let you know what I'm seeing and what I recommend. So if we choose the option to do nothing, here's what's going to happen over time. Then I continue to explain. But when you can objectively explain all their options, many times you will see their demeanor change. They go from feeling stress and pressure to now taking responsibility for their decisions and deciding what they want to do, not what they feel you want them to do. And I'm positive that you will find, as I have and many of my clients, that contrary to popular belief, patients really do want to choose what is best for them the majority of the time. Whenever I have a patient come in with a broken tooth or cusp and uh, it needs a crown, I take a picture, put it on the TV, and explain that we have a couple options. I generally say something like the following. Okay, here you can see the tooth. This is where it's broken. I'm going to go over a couple options with you. My recommendation is a crown on this tooth, and let me explain why. This tooth already has a filling in it, and you know you can see this part of the tooth that's broken off. If we do another larger filling, it's more likely to break again down the road. Or you know maybe the filling breaks or another part of the tooth breaks off um, because the tooth is weaker. When that happens, you know, you'll be back in the same spot again trying to decide, do we yet again do another bigger filling or a crown? Um, but at that point, you'll have less of the natural tooth left. Or it could be worse. You know, it may need a root canal, or sometimes you don't even have that option. You just have to pull it. Um, but the other option is to do a crown. If we do a crown before it's hurting or had further damage, it's pretty likely that we'll be able to do it and not have to deal with another issue with the tooth. So, uh, what are your thoughts? So, when you when you listen to that, you can you can tell. I try to explain both options pretty objectively and let them know, you know, the, the possible outcomes of either way. Then when I finish explaining, I, I ask a, an open-ended question. I don't just say, okay, so do you want to do the crown? Because that, uh, that does assert a little bit of pressure and intimidation. So I just ask an open-ended question. What are your thoughts? And I, I try and give them an opportunity to express their questions or concerns. A lot of times, really, they just want to be heard. They just want to share, um, you know, what's going through their mind. And other times, they're just ready to go and they don't have any questions. I purchased a practice where the seller had always patched things and sent the patient on their way. I also practice in a very blue-collar area. Um, but like I said, I've found and seen this with my clients as well, that patients almost always choose the better treatment option when they really understand things and they're able to make their own decisions without feeling pressured. But even if they don't choose my recommendation, I'm happy to proceed, um, you know, while letting them know the, the possible complications or issues uh, that may come about in the future. You know, and I've had some dentists ask if I use a consent form in these types of situations. I don't. I'm sure you can, um, and I'm sure there's plenty that do. Um, but we just include the discussion in the clinical notes, 
and I've never once had an issue with a patient in one of these types of situations that, you know, some, the tooth has an issue down the road. Um, you know, almost always they come in and they say, yeah, I know you told me this was, this might happen. And, you know, so I'm thinking this is what we need to do. And I've never had anyone that's, that's upset, um, because I try and lay the groundwork, uh, very well from the beginning. Moving on. Another common objection that I've heard is, you know, I'll have this type of discussion and, well, Derek, my patients can't afford that. Well, that may be true in some circumstances, but in general, it is not the case as much as we think it is. Just this week, I had two different patients that came in for limited exams. I presented treatment and both of them, you know, again, these are two different situations, but they both balked at the cost. Uh, you know, they asked different questions like asked if they could pay it out. And I said, I, I said, no, that we don't do that. But, um, you know, we could look at third party financing. Um, uh, and I explained, you know, we, we don't have to fix this tooth. You know, if this isn't the best thing for you, here's some other options. You know, we can always pull the tooth and that lowers the cost quite a bit. But after all that discussion, it turns out that both of them ended up having the money. They ended up getting the recommended treatment done and paying in full that day. Um, one of the guys, after complaining about the cost and the fact that we didn't let him pay it out, um, you know, he said to me, well, I have the money. I just didn't want to spend it on this. So... Think about your practice. How many times are patients choosing less than ideal treatment or not getting treatment done at all simply because we aren't taking the time to explain things that help them to make the best decision for them? A lot of times what it comes down to is that patients want to complain and feel upset about their situation. They complain about the cost, about the procedure, um, about, you know, whatever. So if you can remain calm and, and also try and show sympathy, but also hold your ground, you know, give them other options. Uh, when you can kind of go through it in this way, they'll realize you aren't the bad dentist that they kind of wanted you to be. You're not the bad dentist out to get their money, but you're looking out for them. You're trying to give them other options. You're trying to think through other things to help them. Um, so having this approach has also helped my mindset as well and my relationships with patients. Instead of viewing patients uh, simply as an, an opportunity to make money, I view them as, as people. I recognize that they have lives outside of the times that I see them in my office. And I'm happy to treat these patients that accept and follow my recommendations and I'm also happy to treat those that want to choose other options or that just want to come in when they have a toothache. But in my experience, as I've gone to this approach in my communication with patients, my case acceptance has increased. And I've seen the same thing happen with clients that I've worked with. This is the really the great thing about coaching. We work one-on-one -on -one and we talk back and forth about the common objections that you're hearing from patients and we discuss how to work through them and different ways to, to think through the process. How do we see it from the patient's point of view? 
How do we show sympathy and provide other options, but while still holding our ground and and staying firm on our policies and you know with where we're at? And when do we make exceptions? Um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of gray area where it can be really hard to make decisions. But anyway, my point is. You will not find another group of coaches out there like us at the Lifestyle Practice. We work solely with you. This company is just me, Steve, and Justin. No one else that you get handed off to uh, you know, a- after you choose to work with us. I just want to encourage all of you to really think about your thoughts and your patient's thoughts during this process. Go back and evaluate the way that you diagnose treatment plan and uh, present treatment to patients. How do you talk through things? Take some of these things that I said today and try and implement them in your practice. And if you're ready to really jump in and work with us, send any of us an email, Derek, Justin, or Steve at thelifestylepractice.com. And again, like I said, check our Facebook page out uh, for details on some Black Friday magic. So take care, everyone, and have a great week. Should we climb in? Tooth and nail till I'm at the top. Jump without a net, never break a sweat. Cause I live my life like it's all I got.